Jonathan Gavoni, the NBA Finals are behind us. It is now the time of year where you are the guy that we need to talk to, man. How many NBA drafts has this been for you now in your life? This is 19. It gets easier every year. I enjoy my three weeks of relevance, and I'm looking forward to... (laughs) being a guy that nobody cares about in a few days from now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is where I have to brag on behalf of Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan Gavoni is one of the most well-connected, well-sourced, just sharpest draft analysts in our business. You have been offered jobs numerous times in NBA front offices, and yet you slum it with us in order to keep those three weeks of relevance, as you put it. I have the greatest job in the world. Uh, I hope that the ESPN talent office isn't listening and is not going to hold this against me in my next uh, contract negotiations, but I I can't imagine myself doing anything different. You know, I work with phenomenal people. I get to travel around the world. I get to write about what I want. They really give me incredible freedom. Okay, so having done this job then that you love for two decades now, John, I do wonder about something. I do wonder if you miss... What I personally miss about the way the NBA draft used to be, right? Because the draft is a TV show, let's be honest about this, at its core. And the guy who used to host it, who hosted it for three decades until he finally retired in 2013, was the late legendary commissioner of the league, David Stern. And David Stern really seemed to love how unsubtle the audience was about how they felt about him. With the sixth pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans, yes, the New Orleans Pelicans, select Nerlens Noel from the University of Kentucky. I loved how much he embraced the hatred. I mean, it almost it fueled him. We've had to explain to our international audience that the boo is an American sign of respect. <laughs> Adam Silver is such a great commissioner. He's so beloved that it just we don't have that same effect with him. He kind right. It's hard to boo him because he's so down the middle and he's so cookie cutter in a lot of ways. But so I definitely do miss just that thunderous wave of booze and him, you know, <laughs> telling, you know, like a WWF wrestler, just bring it on. Your enthusiasm seems to be dwindling. With the 23rd pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Solomon Hill from the University of Arizona. That's that's it. He was, in many ways, right, like an iron fist in a velvet glove. He was all of these things in the back room. But before everybody, he was the heel, just straight up. He was somebody who, in his last draft, put his hand to his ear and said to the fans, I can't hear you, which is just incredible trolling. I can't hear you. With the third... I hope that Adam Silver one day gets to that point where he, uh, you know, he can embrace that too. But um, hasn't been as much controversy, and he does a little bit of a better job of keeping things in house with the owners and and the media and all that.
The Golden State Warriors are about to get heroically hammered if they are not already and ride a bunch of buses through San Francisco today. The long-awaited formal celebration of both their fourth title in eight years and also an undeniable truth that the NBA draft remains as important as ever. Like, does count the number of homegrown players spraying expensive champagne later? From Steph to Draymond to Clay to Jordan to Kevon and on and on. As the rest of the NBA jealously dreams of emulating that parade route. So today, Jonathan Gavoni tells us what is at stake when Adam Silver takes the podium at the draft this week. From Auburn's Jabari Smith on down. And then he tells us why one specific team is making his own life extremely awkward. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Monday, June 20th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jonathan Gavoni, when we talk about the sophistication of the modern draft and how Adam Silver is running things, as you just alluded to, it does reflect the fact that the NBA and its teams are these multi-billion dollar companies whose literal and figurative fortunes can absolutely change based on what happens at Barclays Center on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So what are you hearing about what this year's draft is going to feel like just big picture? Well, a lot of teams are telling me that the draft is going to be their free agency because there's not a lot of cap room out there. There are not a lot of players that they really covet on the free agency market. Usually, you know, you get to July 1 and it's like you're waiting for these incredible dominoes to fall, you know, Woj bomb after Woj bomb. And it really alters the, the state of the NBA. It's not going to be that way in this upcoming free agency. So I think starting at four mm. with Sacramento and you know continuing with Detroit and Jeremy Grant and Indiana with Brogdon and Portland and you know does Toronto make a move? And you know honestly, it's like this every year. Every year, people are saying, "Oh my God, there's going to be a barrage of trades," and then nothing really happens. Well, hold on, because you mentioned just then that you know there are rumors every year, there are promises every year of drama, of of radical changes via the draft. And I just want to explain to the listener that part of your job is to talk to, like, is it all thirty teams, Jonathan, that you end up talking to, like, in the weeks and months before a draft like this? And so. 
how do you take all of that information in and try to sort out, you know, fact from fiction, smoke bomb from actual impending explosion? The draft is 12 months a year for me, and it doesn't stop in terms of the number of events that you go to and tournaments and camps. I'm out on the road nonstop, and I'm always with the same group of people year after year. You know, some of these guys who are GMs or presidents now, they were, you know, interns, they were in the mailroom, they were video coordinators. They started pretty much the same as me, you know, when I was a freshman in college at the University of Florida and started a dorky website. (laughs) Draft Express, a legendary website as well. So I have great relationships with a lot of these people. And that's, you know, that's a big part of of this all year is like this exchange of information. Hey, have you seen this guy in Serbia that's popping up now? It's a nonstop flow of dialogue between us. And we're also talking about, you know, the 2023 draft and 2024, because these people, they all love basketball. And it's a game for them, you know, this hunt, like finding the next great player. You know, where where is this next Giannis going to come from? And so I'm never going to call Orlando and be like, hey, Jeff Altman, who are you drafting? You know, (laughs) because like I don't want to put him in that position. What I would do, you know, is call the team with the 16th pick and say, hey, is this guy on the board where you pick? What are you hearing about this guy? Is he ahead or behind you? Not are you taking him, but that's how I kind of figure out what is the draft order going to look like roughly? Who are players that I'm too high on or I'm too low on? Because I'm not going to get it right perfectly. I mean, there's no such thing as, of course. as a perfect mock draft, but I want to be in the ballpark. The last thing I want is I have a player 18th on my board and he ends up going 48th because, you know, a lot of players who are ranked 18th, they really think that they're going to go 18. You know, like they look at us as like, hey, the NBA says I'm 18th. I'm like, dude, I don't work for the NBA. You know, like I'm just like a guy in his mom's basement trying to get this right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or I used to be. Used to be. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's all that stuff. So it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street of information circulating from you to them and also from them to you, both in terms of names of guys that you think are promising and also who those teams think are promising themselves in turn. You try to make it a two-way street. I mean, I try to help as much as I can, and I understand that these people have jobs to do and they they can't reveal everything about their plans. And the good thing is that I'm not trying to break a lot of, you know, trades or free agency news or whatever. And so I'll catch wind of a lot of the drama that goes on behind the scenes that people know I'm not going to report it. So you mentioned talking to and about Orlando, John, and I I do want to get to who they're taking number one overall because the players at the very top of this draft, it does feel like you have been living your own clockwork orange existence here. Like your eyeballs are pried open. You're just inhaling, injecting all of this tape. So who do you think Orlando will take at the top of the draft and why? The overwhelming sense that we're getting right now is that they're going to take Jabari Smith. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA last year. And Jabari Smith is the most dynamic shooter in this draft. Jabari Smith, Oh my goodness, somebody call 
made 42% of his threes, even though he stands six foot ten. And he's not just this guy that's bombing away from the corner. He can run off screens. He can push in transition and then pull up off the bounce. He makes all these tough ISO step backs. He's really tough in the mid post, um, just rising up for these impossible turnaround jumpers with this high release point. You know, his touch is absolutely incredible. And then on top of that, he's a very versatile defender. He plays with nonstop energy. He just never stops coming at you for the entire game on both ends of the floor. People love everything about what makes this guy tick, his competitiveness. His father was a Jabari Smith Sr. was an NBA player. And, you know, everybody around him just says, like, he was born for this moment. Like, nothing phases him. There's no question marks about, you know, is he going to get in the gym and work? And how is the NBA lifestyle going to affect him? He's already lived this life, you know, his whole life. This has all been building up to this moment where he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. And this is what he expected. And so there's a real comfort level with that. He seems like a futuristic, a very modern NBA kind of prospect. Exactly. And is there a person in the league right now that you see him as most analogous to? There's no exact comp, you know, like some people would say he's a 6'10 Clay Thompson. You know, just because of the, the, the way that he shoots it. Uh, another GM told me he's a shorter Dirk. Um, you also hear stuff like Chris Middleton, you know, just because of the way that he plays mm. in the mid post and the versatility he shows defensively. And some people think that he's going to end up being a small forward. Now, the question mark with Jabari is he's not like a traditional athlete. Like, he's not super explosive. I think he had like mm. 13 dunks on the year. Wait, so, so this is where the Dirk comp comes in. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like a Chris Middleton, he's not someone that is really a ball handler, a creator. And so that's where the growth in his game is going to be. I mean, he shot 43% for two. That's mm. not very good for a 6'10 player. Yeah. But, you know, he's 19 years old. He's you know, he's grown and I mean, he's, you can improve on that part of his game. The question is to what extent, you know, is he going to be a guy that can carry you offensively, which, you know, that's what you hope for like a Paolo Bancaro, you know, like he has a lot more game off the dribble than Jabari Smith does. But in terms of the futuristic aspect of this draft, there is nobody that I gaze at more and struggle to just physically comprehend then the player that I presume you're giving here to the Oklahoma City Thunder at number two overall. So where are you on the Chet Holmgren question? Absolutely love everything about Chet. And I did it the very first moment that I saw him, but he's really grown on me so much. Because when you first saw him, I mean, again, you walk into a gym for the first time, guy who has seen every NBA prospect in 20 years, and you see him and you think to yourself, what? So I'm looking at my notes now from October of 2019. I said, painfully thin. He's always going to be on the leaner <laughs> side. Moves in a goofy way, but not a soft kid. Has a lot of swagger. Has no strength, but he's trying to back people down. You can see even in my notes that I just I started growing. He's so fluid with the ball. He plays his ass off. <laughs> he's a phenomenal shooter. He put on a show the last day. I love how unafraid he is. He's super skilled. 
He just gets pushed around a lot defensively and on the glass. I wrote his frame is probably four to five years away, and it's always going to be the biggest thing to monitor. And that's in 2019. And mm. honestly, it hasn't changed that much. You know, I mean, he was uh, yeah. he was 183 pounds then in 2019, and he's 195 pounds now, uh, and he's 20 <laughs> years old. You know, so that's 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 where a lot of people struggle with with Chet is with just the body and it's so unconventional. You know, like. Right, 195 at how tall is he officially now? Well, the USA basketball measured him at seven foot one and a half last summer. You plug those numbers into like a, an engineering program and it spits back like this is structurally unstable, you would imagine. Yeah, you would think there's injury risk, you know, but he's never been hurt. And not only that, like he plays with this insane motor. I'd like to see how far he can get on one dribble to the basket. Might see it here. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Counted to the foul. Like he, he falls on the ground 10, 15 times in a game and he just bounces right back up. And that's what people love about him is the toughness that he brings. People sometimes equate skinny with being soft. Chet Holmgren is the toughest player in this draft in terms of just like the physicality that he wants to, to bring and his will to win. And that's what makes me think he's going to be a great NBA player. It sounds like if you were running an NBA team, he would be your number one overall pick. No question. And it's been that way the whole year for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does he gain weight though? I've learned over the years that that doesn't really matter. I just, I'm trying to think back to, you know, the almost 20 years I've been doing this and say, who is a guy that didn't reach his full potential because he was too skinny? And I can't think of a single player that mm. that applies to. Yeah, no, that's where the Kevin Durant comp does actually make sense. You remember the story, I'm sure, from Kevin Durant's combine where he's asked to like bench 185 and could not do it. And then it's basically like, just give me a basketball. At the pre-draft camp, everyone knows you couldn't bench press 185 pounds. And it raised the eyebrows of a lot of critics. If you were a GM and you had heard that about a guy that you were potentially going to draft, what would that have made you think? Um, made me think nothing. If a guy can play basketball, a guy can play basketball. So I really wasn't worried about that too much. Uh, I was just worried about this day. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to Seattle. But then on the other end of the physicality spectrum, the other end of the sort of like physical equation is, I presume, Paolo Bancaro, John. And when the Houston Rockets are sitting there at number three, how do you think they're feeling about it? I think they're feeling thrilled. And here's how I know that. Paolo Bancaro just worked out for the Houston Rockets a couple of days ago. A few hours after that workout ended, they went and traded their starting power forward, Christian Wood, for a late first-round pick. <laughs> These guys are very, very excited to add him to their team. Yeah, yeah. So he comes from Duke. I know that. He was sort of hailed, right, as like the most ready-made NBA player. How was his evolution sort of tracked as you've been following him? So he's been on the radar for quite some time. My first notes on him date all the way back to April of 2018. So more than four years ago when he was 15 years old. And he was this back-to-the-basket guy who was, honestly, he was already 6'10". He was already 
230 pounds or so. Mm. He was physically developed. But the question with him was, do we want like a post player in this mold like this anymore? And I think he heard that and he's from Seattle and Seattle has arguably the best hoop scene in America in terms of like pros coming back and passing things on to the next generation. I'm talking about Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, Spencer Hawes, Nate Robinson. These guys took Paolo Bancaro into the gym and said, dude, you need to evolve your game. You can't be this back to the basket center. And so during the pandemic, he really expanded his game. They put the ball in his hands and they said, you need to develop into a point guard and you need to start shooting threes. And he really embraced that. And he developed into this 250 pound, 6'10 shot creator with incredible combination of footwork, polish, ball handling, fluidity, skill, of the ability to pass off a live dribble. He started making, you know, pull up threes. And Carroll, right back with a three of his own and a timeout. This is deep. He's lethal in the mid post. He's got, you know, all these incredible spin moves. Uh, so yep. everybody in the NBA is looking for shot creation. And specifically, you know, an oversized guy, you know, with, you know, positional size. You think about like a Luka Doncic. That's what makes him so dangerous. So Paolo Bancaro, you know, fits that mold. And I think in Houston, he's rookie of the year. Hmm. Well, are you are you just sort of numb at this point, John, to the idea that to be a top three pick in a draft like this, you better be seven feet tall and you better be able to do everything? Yeah, this is the way the game has evolved. It's it's a skill game. The bar to being a big man in today's NBA is so high that you know that these guys were forced to evolve. They grew up watching this stuff, and 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 now they're like essentially. 610 to 71 guards. Yeah, I mean that is a terrifying evolution that feels unfair to all of the guards who are not 6 foot 10. <laughs> like sorry buddy, like better luck next time being the number 1 overall pick if you didn't have that particular role of the genetic dice. But after this quick break, John, things are about to get complicated. Very very complicated. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. 
Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, John, you said before that the number four overall pick is where things are going to get messy. And fittingly, the Sacramento Kings are the fourth team picking in this draft. And mess always follows them. So at this point in the night on Thursday, where do you think things go? A lot of teams are thinking that this is going to be a trade because you look at Sacramento, there's all this pressure on them to win right now. They haven't made the playoffs in, I think, 16 years. That's a lot. It's, yep. it's, it's, <laughs> it's a record in the NBA. So, somewhere between 16 and 1,000 years, they have not been in the postseason. They've, Accurate. they've been through 12 head coaches in that span. Oh my God. Is it really? Is, is it really 12? It's really 12. Yeah. So, oh my God. Their owner, Vivek Ranadive, wants to make the playoffs really bad. And so they moved up on lottery night from seven to four. And now they're sitting there, you know, with this incredibly powerful asset that a lot of teams around the NBA really want because they've drafted point guards in the last three drafts in a row. And the (laughs) the fourth best prospect in the draft is a guard, Jaden (laughs) Ivey. And so what do you do with him? You have De'Aaron Fox, you have Davion Mitchell, and do you just take Jaden Ivey and say, screw it, he's the best prospect in the draft? Or do you go with the guy who is, you know, almost 22 years old and Keegan Murray and just say, this guy was the best two-way player in college basketball, the most productive player, um, you know, should have won the Wooden Award. You have this hole at power forward, you know, and so do you just take him, move DeMontis Sabonis to the five and just try and make a, a playoff run with that? And there's all these teams that could use a point guard. Yeah. The Knicks at 11, you know, desperate for a point guard. The Wizards at 10, you know, and then there's other teams that could could be looking to move up. Oklahoma City, they have this treasure trove of picks. Yeah, how many how many picks are the Thunder working with? Because I know Sam Presti, their GM, has basically resorted to like having 11-year-olds like on their draft board. They have picks from now until eternity. They just got another one. Um, from Denver. So I believe it's 14 first round picks that aren't their own between 2023 and 2027. And they have players that people like. They have Lou Dort. They have Kenrich Williams. I mean, they have guys like Isaiah Roby. I mean, they have their two potential all-stars in Shea and Giddy, which they're not going to trade. And they have all this cap room too, that if they don't use it, by July 1 it just evaporates so so how much of the of the draft's chaos is sort of hinging on the tinderbox that is whatever the thunder are planning to do yeah a lot of it i mean they could do anything they want in this draft if they want to go crazy and say we'll give you 10 future first rounders to move up <laughs> you know like who says no to that you know like right. th- that's that's really the question and you know that Victor Winbayama is coming up in a year from now by the way you know like this guy is 7 foot 2 and mm. he kicked Chet's ass in the FIBA under right. 19 and, world cup you know and, and so the question is is that the guy you trade the hypothetical 10 firsts for as opposed to a guy that's there this year 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but the problem is that you only have a 17% chance of getting victor, even if you have the worst record in the NBA. So, mm, right. Because of the lottery odds. Yeah. You know, do you go through another year of misery or do you, you know, or do you try and make a push now? Because their players, they want to win. You know, like Shea Gilders Alexander doesn't want to be a guy that misses the playoffs three years in a row, you know? And right. He's going to be a veteran by the time the Thunder possibly expend all of their draft capital. Exactly. Capital, yeah. Yeah. So as much as I want to go and explore um, the sewer that is the Knicks point guard situation, I, I, I do want to ask you about the team that is picking at number seven overall, the Portland Trailblazers, because this is a weird and amazing story for you specifically, John. Because Mike Schmitz, our now former colleague, a man that you hired, a man that we love here on the show, a guy that you hired... As part of your Draft Express now ESPN draft analysis operation, he has been hired to be an assistant GM of the Blazers. Is that his title now, John? Correct. And, and so how do you scout your friend's new team here? How do you analyze the situation in front of you in that way? It's honestly, it's, it's incredibly awkward. I'm calling him and he's throwing <laughs> smoke screens at me. I'm throwing smoke screens at him. I'm trying to pry for information, giving me nothing. And, you know, I was watching, you know, a workout that Portland put up on their Twitter and I see Schmitz there watching Shaden Sharp, you know, like, and I'm like, man, this is going to take a while to get used to. <laughs> it's so weird. 10 years ago, it felt like yesterday, he emails me out of the blue and says, you know, I just graduated from the University of Arizona. I'm making all these videos. If you want them, let me know. And I watched one of them, and it was like, it was like Perry Jones is the best player in this draft. Like he can handle, he can shoot, he can guard. And I said, I'm Schmitz, this is terrible. What are you doing, dude? And he, five minutes later, he sends me back a perfect video in a breaking down why Perry Jones yeah Baylor yeah is going to struggle in the NBA I'm like okay this guy has a has a future let's go 5 years later we're hired by ESPN everybody saw right away that the guy is a superstar I'm so incredibly proud of him for you know for 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 he's cuz he's going to be a general manager in 2 or 3 years from now there's no question about it I'm so sad too not to wake up every day you know I hitting him at eight o'clock in the morning my time it's 5 a.m in la and he gets back to me within 30 seconds and now and now he's 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 gone to the other side he's he's changed he's become a professional and and he's not giving you the juice that i think personally john the juice that the gossip the tea that you deserve yeah it's gonna take a while to get used to honestly but um he's so good at this he's so professional and and it's like he's He's going to do what's best for Portland, you know, and they're they're honestly, they're lucky to have him because he's so good at this. Of course. But before I let you go, John, I do want to point out that despite all of the deep research and analysis you've done on this year's draft, you mentioned Victor Wembanyama, and that is a name coming next year. That makes me think that next year's draft might be the thing you're actually even more excited for. No question. Poor Victor was born January 4th, 2004, five days away from being eligible for the 2022 draft. But that's unfortunate for us more than it is for him because we just have to wait. He's a unicorn. He shoots threes. He can pass. He's an incredible shot blocker. He's super mobile. The FIBA Under-19 World Cup, he handedly outplayed Chet Holmgren, who is the number one prospect 
in 2022. And Victor is two years younger than Chet. I'm actually like ready to turn the page on the 2022 draft. (laughs) And a big part of that is because this upcoming group is so exciting. Yeah, I personally cannot wait for you and Mike Schmitz to send each other smokescreen texts all about the 2023 NBA draft. Yeah, he already told me that he heard Victor has some off-the-court issues that I should look into, you know, which is obviously (laughs) complete nonsense. I know who he would take number one. Where is Victor going to play? That's the big question everybody's asking. Victor plays right now in France for a EuroLeague team called Asvel. He has an opt-out in his contract until June 26 that a lot of people expect him to exercise. Is he going to hit the G League Ignite? Is he going to Paris? We don't know. So that's another, you know, dramatic thing to keep an eye on. Jonathan Gavoni, I feel like you're already living in the future. So for now, in the present, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre, and this has been ESPN Daily. The rest of this week, by the way, we are bringing you episodes that do something special. Mark 50 years since Title IX was signed into law. And Title IX, if you did not know, is the civil rights legislation that made it illegal to discriminate on the basis of sex. And so, among many other things, it opened the door for women's sports as we know them today. Our friend and colleague, Allison Glock, is going to host those conversations for us. They start tomorrow. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon.